The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Well, hello, New Covenant Community Church. We are glad that you are joining us via YouTube or podcast or however it is that you are listening uh, into this. This is the pre-recorded sermon that will be preached on May the 10th, which is Mother's Day. So if you just so happen to be joining this as we stream it live on Mother's Day, I just wanted to say Happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, boy, what a what a special day this day represents. I always kind of chuckle when I hear people in the world say that uh, the Bible excludes women and that God excludes women from His important plans. And uh, as a Christian and as someone who reads the Bible, we just know that that isn't true. Uh, almost every, even arguably the most important events in all of Scripture, the empty tomb, for example, uh, revolves around women being present, even in the biblical day when women were not trusted. And uh, so we're so grateful for you mothers and what your what your role is. You fulfill a job and a role in the home that no man on the face of the planet ever could. So we just want to say thank you, and we're looking forward to our drive-in service this Sunday when we will be passing out uh, just a special token, a special gift to each uh, mother that is is with us in our drive-in service in our parking lot this coming Sunday. Just a couple announcements that I will give you very briefly before we get into God's Word this morning. Uh, is that on May 17th, which is a week from Mother's Day, uh, our church is going to be partnering with a local food bank to help them. The times in which we find ourselves has caused many food banks to see a great influx in the number of people that they are helping and serving. And uh, such as it were, there are many food items that they find themselves lacking in many different food banks. So we have partnered with one local here in Johnstown, and on May 17th, our church family is going to be bringing white bread, crackers, salty snacks, and things similar to those food items. Those are the things that this particular food bank uh, is in great need of. So if you are listening to this uh, and would still be like to be a part of that, call the church office and we can certainly uh, make sure that your donation makes its way to the food bank. I'll also mention that on June 1st, Sunday, June 1st, we're going to have a special drive-in service that day. Uh, it's going to be graduation Sunday. We recognize that uh, many people, many young people, both college and high school graduates alike, uh, at the beginning of the year, they had plans to graduate and to celebrate that graduation in a particular way. And many of those plans got cut short. So what we wanted to do is simply to be a blessing to not only the graduates in our church, in our congregation, uh, but to the community. And we're going to have a special day that day where we uh, where we celebrate their achievements, their future plans. I'll be preaching a special message uh, specifically to the graduates that will be present with us. So if you know a graduate in your life, be it high school or college, uh, tell them to contact the church office, whether by email or by phone, and they can be a part of that special day. We'll have a special gift for each of the graduates that are there. We're looking forward to that being a very special day on June 1st at 1045 Sunday on our main service that day. Uh, and the other thing I'll say is that uh, please be praying for me and the other leaders of this church. We are entering a, a very important decision, and that decision is simply when to begin to gather face-to-face -face inside of our church building. 
Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see some of the stage and some of the front of the church here in a little bit of a disarray, and it's simply because we're remodeling, doing some freshening of a few different decorations and different things that we have in here. Uh, and now is certainly an appropriate time to do that uh, while the church is empty, the church building is empty. Uh, but please be praying for us about that. We want to do, we want to make that decision with the f- mindset or the frame of mind uh, thinking about the people that we love and taking care of God's church and doing that wisely and doing that safely. Uh, so please keep an eye on your email and Facebook and all the ways that you can find out news about our church. And hopefully soon we'll be communicating a date that we intend uh, to come back into the church. Uh, and there will certainly be some additional precautions that we'll be taking when we do finally come back to church together. So with that being said, uh, let us join together in praying wherever it is that you are. Father, we continue to seek you. We continue to, to love you and to worship you. To preach this gospel that you've given to us, Jesus. Would you guide us in this moment, God? Would you be with us in these next weeks, these very unprecedented times? We have not stopped seeking your face, Jesus, and it is a comfort to know that you're a good shepherd and that we can know you because of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you would turn your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 14. Judges, chapter 14. Uh, Growing up, as many of you know, on the farm and being acquainted with hunting and firearms and many of the things that go along with that type of country lifestyle, I became acquainted with rifles and I learned that there are essentially three things that can cause a rifle to not be a useful weapon. Number one, it can have rust on the inside of the barrel and the rifling that influences the projectile and causes the projectile to spin, which causes that projectile to fly straight and to be accurate. If there's rust on the inside of the barrel, it will it will alter how well the rifling of the inside of the barrel can impact that projectile. Uh, number two, if the sights are loose, if the things that you're looking across your eye, across the top of the sights, if if those are loose from the top of the weapon, it can cause you to think that you're aiming in a particular direction and your projectile, the bullet, will land somewhere else. That, too, will cause a rifle to be a not useful weapon. And thirdly, if you have cheap ammunition, uh, the projectiles, some will weigh different amounts than the others and they'll be powered slightly different a little bit more gunpowder in one shell and a little bit less in another and if you use cheap ammunition that will also hinder a rifle from being a useful weapon now you can still use even if a rifle has rust in the barrel loose sights and you're using cheap ammunition you can still use the firearm but it will simply not be an effective and lasting weapon that's a useful weapon in your hands And in Judges chapter 14, we find a story of a man named Samson. And he was undoubtedly used of God. That much is sure. But he was not a lasting weapon. He was not an effective weapon. Samson was not a useful weapon in God's hands because of the life that Samson lived. Sometimes Scripture gives us examples of of perfect examples to follow. But sometimes Scripture gives us Examples of not to follow. It gives us warnings. It gives us, it gives us examples of what not to do. 
so that it might go well for us. Samson is remembered in the Bible for being the very strong man who was able to kill a lion with his bare hands. He's remembered as the man who was, he was the Philistine slayer. He killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He, he's remembered for those things, but when we read his story in its entirety, we learn very quickly that Samson was, was no saint to, to use the slang. He, he was, he, he was disobedient to the Lord and to his parents and, and he had many issues that, that he used. And, and still we know that God used Samson to exercise judgment upon the Philistines. In Samson's time, he killed thousands of Philistines. And we know what the Philistines were like. They were a wicked people. They were a violent people. They, they worshiped false gods. Much of the worship of their gods involved prostitution and murdering of their own children. It was, they, they were, they were a bloodthirsty people. And even, even secular scientists and archaeologists they'll tell you that when they do digging in ancient ruins of philistine cities they'll find just a multitude of of containers that would hold alcohol they they were a drunken people they loved their alcohol and and samson killed thousands of them and 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 in the series of events that happened in samson's life yes samson was used of god mightily but his life ultimately ended in ruin with his eyes being gouged out and his strength, his great strength being predominantly taken from his body. And before anybody would ever get the idea that, that God is just waiting there to smite people, that God would use Samson and then leave him in ruin and that God would just use him to annihilate thousands of Philistines, remember, church, that there were hundreds of years that the Philistines were interacting with God's people. Hundreds of years that God was extending an opportunity for the Philistines to turn from their false gods and follow the one true God of Israel. Samson would have known the stories of Moses and Joshua and Aaron. Samson would have known what it was like for a leader to follow the Lord with their whole heart. And that was not what Samson did. After many years of living recklessly samson was his own demise he was almost as if he was like a reckless horse an impatient reckless horse will stand at the door of their stall and they'll pound and beat at it until they'll, they'll ruin their foot a horse can completely ruin their leg and and make themselves completely lame because of their own actions and and we see samson behaving in a similar way and what am i saying church what i'm saying to you is is you don't want your end to be like samson I don't want my end, the end of my story, the legacy that I leave to my children and grandchildren. I don't want it to be one of Samson that I lived a reckless life and disobedient to the Lord and that I was not a useful weapon in God's kingdom. We want our end to be more like it was for David where it's recorded in First Chronicles 29.11 and it says, So he died, so David died in a good old age, full of days and riches and honor. And if you want that, like I want that for you, you can say amen wherever it is that you're listening to this message today. So what I'd like to do for you, church, is I'd like to preach about being a useful weapon in God's hands, a useful tool in God's kingdom, particularly three things that can hinder you from being a useful weapon in God's kingdom. And I'll give them to you very plainly. Number one. The thing that can cause you not to be a useful weapon in God's kingdom is uncleanliness or uncleanness, being unclean. We know of 
Samson that he was a Nazarite to the Lord. When the angel came and announced to Samson's parents that they would have a son, the angel announced that, that, that Samson was to be a Nazarite before God. And if you don't know what a Nazarite is, you should go read Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, where it tells you exactly what a Nazarite was to be to God. And essentially they were to be a separated person before God with three overarching principles of how they were to live in separation from other people as they serve the Lord. Number one, the first thing that they were to do was to not drink any type of wine or intoxicating drink, no grapes, nothing that could even potentially cause drunkenness. The other thing that a Nazarite was to do in the Nazarene vow or the Nazarite vow, as they call it, was no cutting of hair. No razor was to come upon their head. The third thing was that they were not to be near a dead body, nor were they to touch a dead body. They were to stay away from anything that could cause uncleanness or uncleanliness. And we know that Samson did not obey this. He was traveling, going back from going to visit this girl that he wanted to marry. And we read how he kills a lion with his bare hands. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he killed this lion with his bare hands. But then listen what happens when he's returning from that trip. It says, after some time, this is in Judges chapter 14, verse 8 and 9. It says, after some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, the lion that he had killed. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. So you imagine Samson, and he's going along. And he turns aside, the Bible says. Notice that part in Scripture where it says he turned aside. He turned aside from the direction he was going and he sees this dead carcass that he's not even supposed to be near. And he sees this beehive in it and he reaches his hands inside of this dead carcass to take out this honey. And we know without a shadow of a doubt that as he's doing this, his body comes into contact with this dead animal. His, he's breaking his Nazarene vow before the Lord. This is not what someone that's, that's doing what they're supposed to be doing. He was not to be doing this. He, he turned aside. And isn't it just like the devil to put something sweet and tasty looking inside the very thing that we're supposed to stay away from? And so it begins the rust in the barrel as it would be. He started not to shoot straight. He was unclean. He defiled himself. He turned aside. People ask me all the time, they say, Pastor Ben, how is it that people after decades of marriage can get a divorce? How is it that someone who, who would, would normally think that pornography would be repulsive can get trapped into just a horrible addiction? How can it be that someone that's that's an upstanding, honest person can become someone who embezzles money from their workplace? How is it someone that's that's upstanding and right and, and morally good, they, they can be someone who's physically or sexually abusive? It's because they turn aside. They turn aside. You know, it, it does not scare me personally that I would somehow wake up and become entrenched in, and have this long-standing addiction to pornography. That doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me that I would wake up one day and be in this adulterous relationship where I'm cheating on my spouse. That doesn't, that doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me that I would just wake up one day and all of a sudden realize that I'm someone who's embezzling money from the church and, or, or a place of 
of employment or anything like that. That's not what scares me. What scares me is that I would turn aside. That I would turn aside from the path that God has me on. If Adam and Eve had never gone near that tree, they would not have been tempted in the way that they were. If Samson had not even gone near that dead animal, he would not have seen the thing that enticed him. If you don't go near temptation, church, if I don't go near temptation, if we don't turn aside, if we keep ourselves clean, if you don't go near that coworker, which we're not going around coworkers right now with this whole social distance thing, but you know what I'm saying. If you don't go near that coworker that just, that just exudes sensuality, don't, don't go near them. You don't need to go near them. Stay on your path. Don't turn aside. Did you know that if you keep the inside of a firearm, if you keep the inside of the barrel of a gun clean, it won't rust. Number two, the thing that I'll give you, the thing that Samson did in his life, the thing that caused him not to be a long-lasting, useful weapon in the hands of God and in God's army and in God's kingdom. Number two is off-centeredness. Off-centeredness. We know from Scripture that Samson married a Philistine girl. And undoubtedly, Samson would have been familiar with the part in Deuteronomy chapter 7 when God clearly forbids this to happen. God says in Deuteronomy 7 verses 3 and 4, it says, Nor shall you make marriages with them, being the other neighboring nations. You shall not give, you shall not give your daughter or their son, nor take their daughter or your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And we see this exact same teaching carrying over into the New Testament as well. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 39, it says, A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. In other words, if a Christian is married and their spouse dies, they're permitted to marry again, but only to another Christian. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 puts it this way. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And you say, Pastor Ben, why is it? Why is it that God commands this kind of thing. Why did He command it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? I think it's very simply that He loves us. That God knows that if one person is seeing the world through a particular type of lens and another person is seeing the world through a, a totally different type of lens, those people aren't going to get along very well. The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. It gives us the picture of a very, very small animal and a very, very large animal trying to pull a plow together. It just won't work. We could think of it in terms of trying to put on the right side of your car a particular size of tire and on the other side of your car a different size of tire than what's on the other side. Your car will never drive straight down the road. And Samson disobeyed this. We read this and turn now to Judges chapter 14. We look to verse 1 through 3. It says, Now Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. 
Now, Samson knew the type of woman that he ought to marry. It ought to be among the children of God. And he makes himself an off-centered weapon. He, he knows what it is that he's called to do. He knows the direction that he's supposed to be going. And he, and he willfully chooses to, to put himself in, in a different kind of place. He becomes like a rifle that has a loose sight on it. He's, he's choosing not to go in the direction that he ought to go. Uncleanness, church, is going where you might be tempted and being defiled by that thing. Being off-center is knowing where you ought, knowing where center is and choosing to deliberately go against God's will, to choose to not be centered. Number three, the thing that can cause you not to be a useful weapon for the Lord. A useful weapon in God's kingdom. A lasting weapon in God's kingdom. A weapon that, that doesn't have an end like Samson did. Number three is improper input. Improper input. We know of Samson that he was not, he was not a man of fidelity. He was not a man of fidelity. Judges chapter 16, turn over to 16 now. And look to verse 1 and it says, Now Samson went to Gaza and he saw a harlot there and went into her. Which is the Bible's way of telling us that he was intimate with someone that was not his wife. And just a couple verses later, look down to verse 4. And it says, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. You see the pattern of his life there. He had an improper input. This was making him an, an unuseful weapon in God's kingdom. Yes, God was still able to use him, but he was making himself unuseful and unlasting in God's kingdom. You say, well, Pastor, man, that's just terrible. That's terrible that a judge of Israel, that a leader of God's people was sinning in such a terrible way. And quite frankly, church, this is probably the way that most people in the world live. And it's probably the way that most Christians' thought lives are. Not only that, but Samson was playing stupid games. He was a liar as well. The Philistines came to Delilah and they said, entice Samson and, and, and help us figure out how it is that we can take away his strength and bind him and take him. And Samson is playing stupid games as she's trying to figure out what it is that can cause him to lose all of his God-given strength. He starts telling these lies. He says things like, well, if you take seven bowstrings and bind me with them, I'll lose my strength. And and sure enough, the Philistines come against him and he rips them apart and, and he's able to keep himself safe. And, and then he tells another lie, he says, take new ropes and if I'm bound with new ropes, I'll, I'll have my strength taken from me. Or if my hair is, is woven into a loom, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be stuck there and my body will be like other men and I'll lose my strength. And, and he goes on with this, this foolish game of, of lies. He has a bad, steady diet of what he's putting himself to, what he's, what he's exposing himself to. He's, he's got an improper input that he's just exposing himself to repeatedly. He's like a rifle with cheap ammunition. Even if a rifle has a clean barrel. Even if the sights on a rifle are not loose. If you take cheap ammunition and and fire it through that weapon. It will not be a useful weapon. They will not be accurate bullets. It will not be an accurate shot. It will not be a useful weapon in the hands of the one who has it. Don't feed, church, listen now, don't feed your spiritual man a diet of junk food. I've heard, I heard a story once of a 
pastor had a man and his and a mother and his congregation come and they said well our, i'm glad this didn't happen to me because i'd be liable to tell them to sue their brain for non-support they they come to this pastor and they say well our daughter isn't sleeping well at night their eight-year-old daughter was not sleeping well at night and waking up with terrible nightmares and and just uh, having a horrible time the daughter's her grades were failing in school and she was just doing terribly because she couldn't sleep anymore and she was having nightmares every night and scared of the dark and and the pastor asked and said well well, what is, what, what kind of movies is she watching in the evening before? What does she do before bedtime? Well, she, the parents say, well, she watches one of her favorite shows. Pastor says, well, what's her favorite show? And the, the parents say, well, The Walking Dead. <laughs> and if you don't know what The Walking Dead is, it's a, it's a movie about a zombie apocalypse that takes over the world and, and it's this very grotesque, scary type of show and, don't feed your spiritual man junk. Don't have an improper input, church. Don't make yourself an unuse. Let yourself be a useful weapon. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praise, think on these things did you know that a flamingo is not born pink that beautiful color that a flamingo is they're not born that way they're actually made that color because of what they put in their bodies what they eat it makes them that beautiful pink color if a flamingo doesn't have the diet of the things that it needs to make its beautiful feathers that wonderful shade of pink color They'll be like an off gray color. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid that there are many Christians who are walking around in off gray color because they're not, they're not digesting God's word. They're not digesting fellowship with the brethren. They're not digesting the proper things that's supposed to make this fruit grow in their lives. What can keep you from being a useful weapon in God's kingdom? A lasting weapon in God's kingdom? Uncleanness off-centeredness improper input and we know that as samson's life progresses he he finally tells delilah what it is that can cause him to be bound and the philistines come and they capture him and they tie him and they shave his head and it does not go well for him they gouge out his eyes and and it just becomes such a terrible thing his his strength has been taken from his body and god had left him and this was a this is a terrible terrible ending and and let's read it go to judges chapter 16 flip your way there and then go to verse 23 chapter 16 verse 23 and it says now the lords of the philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to dagon their god and to rejoice and they said our god has delivered into our hands samson our enemy When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened, when their hearts were merry, that they said, call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. 
Then Samson said to the lad that held him by the hand, think of that church. The man who could kill a lion with his bare hands. The man who could, who could kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. The man whom the Spirit of the Lord would come upon mightily is now blind. His eyes been plucked out. His strength had been taken from his body. He, he, he's, he's reaping the reward of, of, of all the ways that he had made himself unuseful in God's kingdom. And certainly God's will will be done. Make no mistake. God will achieve his purposes whether Samson was obedient or not. God will achieve his purposes whether I'm obedient or not. Whether you're obedient or not. God will achieve his purposes. But Samson had made himself an unuseful weapon. He's being led around by this small boy by the hand, a blind man, can't see, being led around by this by this young child. And moving on, it says, let me feel, Samson says to the lad, he says, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Now what I hope, church and dear friends, what I hope you're not saying to yourself right now. I hope you're not saying to yourself, well, at least God still used him. Church, it's not, it's not a beautiful thing. It's not a, it's not a pretty thing, the picture that we have of Samson dying in the way that he did and, and, and coming to ruin because of himself. I've heard people say to me, people that are living in all kinds of sin and fornication and homosexuality and, and adulterous relationships and all kinds of, of terrible immorality, people that are actively, willfully living in those things, and they'll say things to me like, well, well, God still uses me. Well, church, God uses burning bushes, talking donkeys, and budding rods also. And He used Samson, whose end was not a pretty one. Now, that's a sobering thought. And if you're ready for good news, say amen wherever it is that you are. And I'm going to say it right now. Amen. We need some good news. What is the hope that God gives us? What is, how can we make ourselves useful weapons in God's kingdom? We have all answers in all of Scripture, and it's amazing that God is so gracious to give us this kind of instruction. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we have the answer for uncleanness inside of ourselves. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 a verse, verses that we know very well, and it's the answer to off-centeredness. It's the, it's the answer to keeping us all on the right path. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Romans 8, 5, it gives us the answer to improper input. It says, for those who live according to the flesh... They set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go out like Samson. I don't want my legacy to be like the rich 
young ruler who turned away from the absolute love of Jesus. I don't want to be like the seed that fell on stony ground and didn't grow because I didn't have any root in myself. I don't want to be like Alexander the coppersmith who caused Paul the Apostle much harm. I don't, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be an unuseful weapon in God's... I don't want to be a Judas who sells Jesus for a few pieces of silver. And the thing that all of these people and all these illustrations, all these things have in common, all these non-useful weapons, the thing that, that connects all of them is that they were, they were right there. Samson, he was right there and could have trusted the Lord and continued in leadership. The rich young ruler could have experienced salvation if he sold his possessions like Jesus had called him to do. The seed that was sown on stony ground could have, could have extended its roots down. It could have been seed that was planted on good ground. Alexander the coppersmith didn't have to cause Paul the apostle the harm that he did. He was right, he was right next to the gospel. They were so close. Judas was, was right there with Jesus. But they were unuseful weapons. The difference between a non-useful weapon and a useful weapon is one runs to Jesus to church, to godliness, to the Bible, to worship, to holiness. And the other runs away. I want my story to be like John. The Bible talks of him as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was When everybody else was running away from Jesus, John was running to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. So, so where will you turn, church? How, how, I, there's no other answer for us to be a useful weapon in God's kingdom. To, to, to have a legacy, not, not to be, not to end in sin and in shame and in a, in this embarrassing type of state of blindness being led around by a child. That is not what God has called us to. He's called us to holiness. He's called us to love and to mercy and compassion and to more than being led around by a child blind and, and stricken because we were playing stupid games. Church, it's not the time in our world today to play, nor has it ever been time to play stupid games. Let us go to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's the answer for our uncleanliness or our uncleanness. He's the answer for us being off-centered. If you're off-centered, if you're, if you're, if you know what God calls you to do in marriage, church, if He knows what you, if you know what He has called you to do in any facet of life, and you do something different, you're off-center. You're off-center. Read God's Word. Recenter yourself in His Word. Recenter yourself in God's will. Bring Him your uncleanness. God is so gracious and merciful and loving to guide us that even when we've just, even when we've been the prodigal son that knows better than to be spending all the livelihood on prostitutes and, and sinful living, he knows that he should be at his father's house, serving his father, trusting him and being honorable. He knows that. And we've all been the prodigal son eating slop in the pig pen. And my call to you this morning is to go home to the father, recenter yourself. Give Him your uncleanness. He'll do it for you. He will abundantly pardon. Let's pray together. Father, oh Father, we need You. God, even if You've given us salvation, we've trusted You with our lives. God, we need You to sanctify us. God, we need Your Holy Spirit to make sure that we remain centered. 
God, God, let us not, Father, let us not find peace on the road of turning aside. Let us not find peace on that road. God, give us, Holy Spirit, I pray that You would convict New Covenant Community Church, convict our hearts to not have anything in our lives that would be an improper input, something that feeds into our life that, that isn't that is not of You, that's not lovely and pure and righteous and holy. God, let those things be cut off from our lives, I pray. God, we need You. We need You, Father. We're the sh- You're the shepherd and we're the sheep. And we don't know where to eat. We, we don't know where to go. We must follow You, God. Make us students of Your Word, I pray, Father, as we learn about the gracious mercy that You give us and how You so lovingly call us unto Yourself. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. God bless you today. We certainly look forward to being able to fellowship together face-to-face. Please keep an eye on all the information uh, that we put out in the following weeks as we put more information out about exactly how and when we'll be doing that. God bless you today.